Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. Stand the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God works. When Jesus came, you know, they were looking for a Messiah that would restore the natural kingdom of Israel is what they were looking for. They were looking for someone to come in that was going to lead them and defeat the Roman Empire and set Israel up the same way that God set it up when Joshua went into the promised land. But you know, God had a different idea. And let me tell you why. Because number one, if Jesus, if that was really Jesus' assignment, then there's limitations. That limitation would have been to that geographical area. How many of you know that with God there is no limitations? And so, you know, it would have limited that geographical area. Secondly, this is how the kingdom of God expands because every time someone accepts the Lord and becomes born again, the kingdom of God is expanding. You know, when you think about the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of darkness cannot expand. You know, it's only, you know, it's only the devil and his, his cohorts there, and they cannot expand. They cannot multiply. They cannot increase. But the kingdom of God can. And the more the kingdom of God gets larger, the smaller and more insignificant the kingdom of darkness becomes. That's why sharing the message of being born again, sharing the message of salvation is so important for everybody to hear. Don't be fearful of sharing it. You may not have the personality to approach people, but maybe you can take some tracks with you. Maybe you can take some witnessing material. And of course, the greatest way to testify of the goodness of God is to live a godly life. And so, you know, you, you never know. You know, Dwight doesn't remember this, but I remember this. We were in the uh, 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 license bureau, and I had to get some stuff for my car, and I met him there. And I just approached him and asked him if he had a home church. And at that time, it was a different church. He doesn't even remember that conversation, but I do. I remember that, you know. And so eventually, you know, somehow, some way, I planted a seed. And when God put it on his heart to, you know, transition to a different church, God brought him here. You know, you never know. You know, you can count the number of seeds that are in an apple, but you can never count the number of apples that come out of a seed. And when you share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know, that's God's word. Whenever you share God's word with somebody, that's a seed that's being planted. And you never know how it's going to produce. So Jesus said this, or excuse me, John the Baptist said this here in Matthew chapter 3. Let me turn there and... Uh, it says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Wherever you see the word kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, they're basically parallel. You know, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, the perfect prayer to pray, we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So obviously, it's God's will for us to experience his kingdom here on earth. Isn't that right? Well, in order for us to experience, we need to know what is the kingdom of God? What is it like? And in the book of Romans, it says the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so why is that so important? Because a lot of people have a hard time receiving from God because they don't feel like they're good enough. But it's not about how much you pray. It's not about how much you read the word. It's not about how good you are. It's about the goodness of God. That's why that song is so powerful. Psalms, you know, 23 says at the very end, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me if I live like an angel. No, 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's the promise of God. You know, and so he freely, the Bible says he freely justifies us. He said, and he has freely given us all things. And that's why it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, according to his divine power, he has. Now, if you're a, a language ex- expert, maybe you can help me. I'm not, but it's my understanding if he has, that means it's already been done. So he has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness and see it's god's god's good pleasure to give you good thing you know the blessing of the lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow to it the word of god says he loads you daily with benefits isn't that wonderful and that's what god wants to do for you and so when you know that he put you in right standing that puts you in a place where you can receive from him I know many of you have done this, but you wanted to bless somebody or do something special for somebody, and they said, oh, you didn't have to do that. You're right, I didn't have to do that. You know, I did it because I want to do that. I did that because this is what I want to do for you. I want to bless you. I want to do something good for you. Not because you're just such a great person. Sometimes there are gifts of of gratitude, but basically it's just because people want to bless you. Well, how much more does your Heavenly Father want to bless you? And so when you know that you're in right standing, and that's why it's hard to receive from that person, you're thinking, you know, I don't know why this person, I haven't done anything special, you know. You know, well, you know, in in the eyes of God, you haven't done anything special anyway, but you are special to him. You know, the parable where Jesus talked about the man who found, or the person who found a treasure in a field. He was out there just wandering through this field, and man, there's a treasure there. So what did he do? He left the treasure there, and he bought the whole field, didn't he? So once he bought the field, what went with the treasure? What went with the field? Excuse me. The treasure. Okay, well, God bought the whole world. Come on, somebody. Because he saw you. You were that treasure. He paid for the sins of the world, not just your sins, but the sins of the world he paid for because he saw you and he wanted you so he paid for all the sins of the world so that he could have you that's how much of a treasure you are to him and so when G- when john said repent for the kingdom of god's hand he's, he's what he's trying to say is that you know what god wants you to receive all that he has for him for you and so the kingdom of god's also uh, righteousness peace god wants you to have peace which means basically the bay simple lay term for peace is being complete being full. Somebody came up with a dis- definition for peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. That's a good definition, but it means to be full. That's why, you know, when you're in Israel a lot of time or you're around Jewish people, they greet you with shalom. Be complete. Be full of God. Be full of the blessing of God. And when they leave, shalom. That's what they say again. You know, and if you're in any relationship with Jewish people, when they write you, shalom. You know, working with the, uh, this trip going to Israel, it's a Jewish lady who's setting up the trip. Every time she emails me, shalom, Pastor Tom. And when she signs off, shalom, and gives her name. You know, why? Because that's the peace of God. Be complete, be full in God. It's like for us saying, bless you, receive the blessing. So peace, and then joy. How many of you know joy is better than being sad? You know, the Bible says it's a merry heart that doeth good like medicine. You know, Jesus said, my joy I leave you so that your joy may be full. Man, I tell you what, Jesus never had a bad day. Isn't that wonderful? 
Even his bad days were good days. Isn't that awesome? And so the joy. So that's what the kingdom of God is. And so, you know, one of the things that Jesus taught us was seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things shall be, well, if you're good enough, maybe you might get it. No, all these things shall be added onto you. And so in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus comes on the scene in verse 17 and he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then after Jesus went to the wilderness and was tempted 40 days and 40 nights, he came empowered by the Holy Spirit. And here in Matthew chapter 10, verse 70, he said, as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the leopards, raise the dead, cast out demons freely as you have received, freely give. And this is what the kingdom of God is all about. And that is experiencing the goodness of God in your life. Well, today I'm going to be sharing a little bit of how we can prepare ourselves in a greater way to receive and walk in the kingdom of God. So go with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to change translations here and I'm going to go to the Amplified Bible. And the Amplified Bible says it's so much more clearer and just doesn't, you know, there's just no confusion. Once you read this, you have an understanding of God's plan for your life. So here in chapter 4 of Mark, starting with verse 1, and again, Jesus began to teach beside the lake, and a very great crowd gathered about him so that he got into the ship in order to sit in an, on the sea, and the whole crowd was at the lakeside on the shore. Now, I'm going to stop for just a moment. We're going to have a commercial break. How many of you watch, you know, podcasts and things like that on the internet, and all of a sudden there's a commercial break? Let me just encourage you. If you, get to, if you go to Israel this year, you'll see that spot. And it's a natural amphitheater. And so when Jesus went out in a boat just a little bit, he talked in the same voice, and everybody, don't know how many was there, but at least 5,000 people could have been there, everybody could hear Jesus clearly. I think that in itself is pretty remarkable, that he was at the right place at the right time teaching the right thing. So he taught them many things in parable, illustrations and comparisons, put besides truths to explain to them. And in his teaching, he said, give attention to this. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he was sown, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Verse 5. Other seed of the same kind, say same kind, same kind of seed, same kind of seed, fell on the ground full of rocks where it had not much soil. Once it sprang up because it had no depth of soil, and when the sun came up, it was scorched, and because it had not taken root, it withered away. Verse 7, other seed of the same kind, say same kind, same kind of seed, same potential, fell among thorns, planted uh, uh, thorn plants and thistles and grew and pressed together and utterly choked and suffocated out and yielded no grain. Verse 8, and other seed of the same kind. Say same kind. I want you to get this. Everybody has been planted. Everybody who has heard the word of God, that word is a seed and it has the same potential for each and every one of us to reach 
you know, God's best in your life or to, to, to produce a hundredfold. So verse 8, and seed of the same kind fell in the good, well-adapted soil and brought forth grain, growing up, increasing, yielding up to 30 times as much as 60 times as much, and even a hundred times as much as which been sown. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him be hearing. Not heard, hearing. That means that you have to continually be hearing what the Word of God says. Let him be hearing and let him consider and comprehend. So as soon as he was alone, those who were around him uh, with the twelve asked and began to ask him about this parable. And he said, to you has been entrusted the mystery of the kingdom of God. All right? To you, tell your neighbor he's talking about you, has been trusted the mystery of the kingdom of God. That is the secret counsels of God which are hidden from the ungodly. See, the ungodly, they don't get this. Why do you give to your church? Why do you go to church every Sunday? You know, why do you pray? You know, dear God, don't you know if there's really God really loved the world? How come there's so much garbage going on? How much some pain going on? They don't understand. They're blinded to it. Why? Because they're not really living for the Lord. They're living according to the world. And so, but for us who are seeking God, going after God, just like the disciples following Jesus, guess what? Our eyes are being opened up. We're beginning to understand the goodness of God. And so it says, in order for that they may indeed look and look and not see, perceive and may hear, but not hear and grasp and comprehend, lest happily they should turn again. That's repentance. And again, you know my teaching on repentance. Repentance is not come up here and crying and, you know, telling how bad of a person you are. Repentance is returning to God. That's what repentance is. Turn to God. Well, you know, repentance ought to be a lifestyle. Every day we should be looking to God. Every day we should be turning to God. Every day we should be seeking God. And so he said, unless they turn again and their willful rejection of truth should be forgiven them. And he said, do you not discern and understand this parable? How then is it possible for you to discern and understand all parables? He's saying, if you get this, you'll get it all. You get this, you'll get it all. If you get this, you'll get it all. Now, I'm going to back up here, back to verse 9, and say something here. He who has ears, let him be hearing. Now, let's go back on to verse 13. I mean, verse 14. The sower sows the word. And so Jesus is saying upon the same measure that you hear is the same measure that it's going to manifest in your life. So the more you hear it, the more it's going to happen. This is very, very important to understand because if you're in that third soil and you begin to realize you're in that third soil, you're going to understand how to overcome and cultivate that soil so you can be that well-adapted soil so you can receive 100% of God's goodness in your life. Okay, that's why it's so important. And so upon the same measure that you hear or upon the same amount of time you put in effort to hear the word of God, it's going to be measured back to you. That's why he who has ears, let him be hearing. Hearing what? The word. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. But it doesn't say just hearing. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You know, so it's so, so important. You know, if you're struggling with something, just start listening to the Word of God. 
You know, what do you do whenever you have challenges in life? You go find somebody who's successful. How did you become successful? How did you overcome this? How did you do this? Why? What is that? That encourages you to say, hey, if I do these things, the same thing will happen to me. Isn't that correct? Well, if you'll do what God says to do, the same thing will happen to you. Tell your neighbor, this is good stuff. All right. So the one sown along the paths of those who heard the word in their hearts, and when they heard, Satan comes immediately at once and by force takes away the message which is sown in them. In the same way, the one sown upon stony ground are those who, when they hear the word of God, at once receive it, accept it, and welcome with joy. And they have no real root in themselves, so they endure for a little while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, yes, the enemy doesn't want you to have the word. The devil doesn't want you to have the word. How did Jesus defeat the enemy when he came out of the 40 days of being tempted? He said, it is written. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is a tool. It's a weapon that you can use. The enemy can't stand it when the word of God's being spoken. Now, you know, Vicky and I had the pleasure of raising two teenagers. And, you know, and it's so joyful all the time. Amen? But there was a time our daughter says, every time I do something wrong, you go, the word says, the word says, the word says. Well, that's because I knew I wasn't wrestling with flesh and blood, but principalities and witnesses in high places. And when I spoke the word, it stopped the devil from manifesting through her. Amen. Oh, don't look at me. I know your teenagers manifested a few devils once in a while too. Come on now. Hello, somebody. Preach it. All right, I will. Teenagers, the Bible says, with long life will I satisfy you if you obey your parents. All right. That's the only promise. That's the only commandment with promise. All right. Now the rest is on you, you parents. All right. So anyway, they, 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 they have no real root in themselves or they have not been grounded in the word enough. So when the enemy comes to snatch what? What's he want to take? He wants to take the word. He wants you to doubt, well, does the word really work in your life? Verse 18, this is where we're at today in this particular series. Verse 18, and the ones sown among thorns are those who uh, are, are, are others who hear the word, and then the cares and anxieties of the world and the distractions of the age and pleasures and delight and false glamour and deceitful of richness and the craving and passionate desires for other things creep in, choke in, suffocate the word, and becomes fruitless. And those sown on good, well-adapted soil, the ones who hear the word and receive and accept it, welcome it, and bear fruit, some 30 times as much was sown, some 60 times as much as sown, and even 100 times as much as sown. Now, I know there's a lot of people who use this as a prosperity scripture, but that's not what it's for. God wants to see his word manifest in your life 100% of the time. That's God's plan for your life. That's what God wants. But he has a method for us to follow for that to happen. And so we're going to talk about the third soil. So let's back up here in verse 18. These are the ones that were uh, sown among thorns who have heard the word of God. Then the cares and the anxieties of the world are distraction of the age, the pleasure and delight of false glamour and deceitful of richness, riches and craving and passionate desire for other things creep in, choke and suffocate the word. It becomes fruitless. Let me share with you what the expanded Bible says. It says it like this. 
Others are like seed planted among the thorny weeds. They hear the teaching, the word, the message. But the worries of this life, world, age, the temptation, the deceitfulness, seduction of wealth, and many other evil desires uh, for other things keep them from growing and producing fruit in their lives and come in and choke the word of God, making it unfruitful. Now, I want to say something so I can clarify some things here. If you've ever felt condemned by this scripture because you have gone on vacation and you miss scripture, and someone says, well, look right here, you know, your pleasure of, of having vacation is what's true, they were wrong. And I apologize for that. Having fun and recreation is not what it's talking about. Hello, somebody. I have some even better news for you. God created fun. All right, so I'm going to go off on a little rabbit trail here and just share with you um, what I really believe the, in, the intention of this is. But before I do, let me just say this. Going to church is important, okay? And, but we don't always, not everybody here shows up every Sunday, and we understand that. You know, as a pastor, when you come to church, it encourages us. But that's not the right reason to come, Okay? The reason to come is because you want to come hear the Word of God. And if in your heart hearing the Word of God is important, you shouldn't feel condemned if you miss church. Hello, somebody. Boy, I sure got quiet here. Now, I sure hope you're all here again next Sunday. And, oh, pastor said we don't have to go to church. No, I'm not saying that, okay, because it's important that we come together. The Bible talks about that how important we come together for the fellowship. But if you've ever felt condemned because you've been on a vacation or you do other things and sometimes you don't make it to church, that was a misrepresentation of what he's saying here. Does that help somebody? Amen. Vicki and I, we're going to take vacation next week. But anyway, (laughs) just kidding. So what he's saying here and the cares and the anxiety is, first of all, what is a care? We have to understand that, okay? So I researched this out. And a care is something that you take on that puts you in a place where you're trying to figure out how to change it in your own strength. That's what a care is. It's something you've taken on. Recognize a care. Cares are negative thoughts, situations, and things that make you anxious or worry or uncomfortable or even angry. And that's why it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, you know, submit yourself unto God and resist the devil and he shall flee from you. No, that's not the right scripture. I just misquoted that. That's James 4, 7. And 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7 says, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Cast all your cares onto him, for he cares for you. In other words, what it means is that he's already taking care of it. Well, how are you going to know he's already taking care of it? Where are you going to learn he's already taking care of it? How are you going to find out he's already met all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus? How are you going to be reminded when you go back out in the world and the world says everything contrary to what God's saying and it begins to cause you to worry and take these cares? How are you going to know that he's going to take care of it? By hearing 
the same measure that you keep hearing it. Not just heard it, keep hearing it. You need to wash your mind and your soul with the washing of the water of the word. Keep hearing. He's already taken care of it. He's already taken care of it. He's already taken care of it. And that's why it says that, you know, you've got to cast your cares. In other words, how do you do that? You say, God, you know, I'm concerned about this. But you know what? There are certain things that I am concerned about, but I can't do anything about. There are certain reports that come my way, and I don't have the education. I don't have the, uh, the, the time. I don't have the ability, the research to find out if some of these studies you know, I found out that if you bring it too much fresh air, it's not good for you. No, I didn't really hear that. But I did do a study in ice cream. I was the subject. And according to my study, ice cream's good for you. You know, so we get, we, we, we get inundated with this. You know, China's going to take over America. Oh, my gosh. You know, I can't prove that. You know, I'm not in the Pacific Sea. I have no idea what's being hyped and what's not hyped. But, you know, uh, we're going to lose, you know, all the money in the bank that you got to make. You know, tomorrow it may not be there. Well, if it's not, I'm going to have to trust God. There's just some things I just, you know, the world is designed to try to get you to take these cares. Why? Because when you take the cares, it suffocates the promises of God. That's why it, faith comes by hearing. You got to hear the word more than you do anything else. In fact, I would encourage you just quit listening and watching the news. They don't have any good news. There's only one good news, and that's the Bible. And the more you hear about this good news, the more you know God's going to take care of it. It doesn't really matter. You know, I'm getting to the place that I'm, I'm oblivious to what's going on in the world. Did you hear about this? No, I didn't hear about that, you know. Well, how come? Aren't you, aren't you with it? No, I'm, I'm with somebody else. I'll tell you, you know, I'm not with it anymore, I guess, you know. Well, aren't you in reality? Don't you know bad things are going to happen? Don't you know, you know, listen, I can't live that life, you know. The grocery stores are all going to run out of food. Well, you know, if they do, you know, God will rain, heaven, rain manna down in my yard. I don't know how he'll do it, you know, but God's going to take care of me. And I've got to, I, I can't let all these reports that are going on out there affect what I believe God's going to do for me. Amen. That's what these anxieties are. You know, that's these, these distractions that come upon people. So taking cares puts you in a place where you're trying to figure out how to change the circumstances. Well, you know what? I can't change the circumstances. I can pray. I can trust God. You know, but there's just some things I just can't change. The manifestation of care is when you're wondering all the time, when will this situation end? When will there be a resolution? And it consumes your thinking to the point that you have abandoned speaking the word of God. You're talking about the problem. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to get. I don't know. You know. I don't know how this is going to get done. I don't know. You know. And don't know how we're going to pay the bills. You know. And that's what's happening. That's what cares do. They cause you to talk more about the problem than talking the solution. And the solution is the word of God. 
well, how are you going to talk the solution if you don't know what the solution is? How do you, gotta, how do you, how do you know? How do you find out what the solution is? You hear about it. And what is the solution? The Word. So upon the same measure that you hear the solution, are we doing okay this morning? On the same measure that you keep hearing the solution, when these thoughts come your way, say, it doesn't matter. God's going to take care of me. You know, though a thousand fall to my side and ten thousand my right hand, none of these things will come upon me. That was my confession during COVID. And COVID was designed to cause people to be anxious and cause division. Did you take the shot? Did you take the shot? Did you take the shot? You're not shot. Then, then, Then the other side of it. Oh, my God, you took the shot. You took the shot. You took the shot. Then that, I mean, it's like, you know, shut up. <laughs> well, you're going to die if you don't take the shot. Well, you're going to die if you take the shot. <laughs> shut up. I don't want to hear it. But isn't that what it did? Come on, folks. You know, it created an anxiety. Yeah, I took the shot. It's called the Word of God. By His stripes, I'm healed. No sickness and disease will come nigh to me. If a thousand fall to my side and ten thousand my right hand, none of these things will come upon me. Glory to God. That's my shot. I've been vaccinated by the word of God. Glory to God. So anxiety is when you're convinced that the care is going to produce a negative outcome. What you're thinking, it's just going to get worse. Well, these are the things that choke out the word of God. What about distractions? Well, distractions are things that cause you to focus more on the problem. Isaiah says it like this in chapter 41, verse 10. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. The word dismayed means to focus on something else, to cause you to gaze somewhere else, to get your focus off of one thing and your focus on the other thing. And this is what the spirit of the world is designed to do, is to get you to focus on things that are really not that important. So that you, well, well what happened? Well, 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 what if God doesn't show up? Well, you know what? God's got a plan. Yeah. You know, in fact, God is sitting up in his lazy boy recliner. He's got his feet propped up. And when the devil says, you know, I'm going to do this, this, and this, God's like, (laughs) in your dreams, buddy. You know? I mean, you know, the spirit of Clint Eastwood comes on God. He's going, make my day. Come on now. God wants to show himself. You know, he wants to reveal himself in all this that we walk through. And so that's what distractions are designed to do. They're designed to get you to turn away from. How many of you, when you drive, you keep your eyes on the road? I'm so grateful for that. For others, I'm going to pray that you get your eyes on the road or they take your driver's license away. But anyway, what would happen if you start looking around? You know, I mean, hey, this is wonderful. I mean, look at the countryside, you know. I know there are some people that drive where they look. That's not good. Keep your eyes on the road. Well, that's what happens with distractions. They get us looking off, looking away from what we should be looking to. 
So when you're focusing on the problem, you have turned away from focusing on the, wor- on the Word. The world and the things in the world will always tempt you to be distracted from the Word of God. Well, what are pleasures and delights all about? Pleasure or delights are about making it happen for you. You know, yes, God wants you blessed, but He wants you blessed so you can be a blessing. Amen. That's why God wants you to bless. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. You know why? You know, God has blessed Vicki and I. When we sing that song, you know, his goodness, you know, is running after me. And all my life, you know, he's been good to us. You know, we, you know, I drive up to my home and I go, man, what blessed people live here? And I go, I do. Glory to God. Amen. I'm so thankful for the goodness of God. God's been good. But you know what? He still wants to get gooder. I did that on purpose. He wants you to experience more. And I want to experience more. Amen? Not because I need it, but so that I can share it with others. You know, how how many times is there people out there that need a little bit of encouragement? You know, there for a few weeks we had a, a car on our parking lot. We'd come here in the morning time and there was a car here. And so, you know, I walked up to them and said, hey, what's going on? And well, they're homeless sleeping in their car. And I said, well, you know, I don't mind you staying here. Just clean up afterwards. Well, they didn't. So, you know, I went and talked to them again, and I called the sheriff because I don't want somebody here as a fugitive. Well, they're all right. And I told them, I said, look, we don't mind helping you. You want to plug into our outlet, have a little electricity? We don't mind helping you. We want to get you to that next place, you know. But if I didn't, if I wasn't blessed, I couldn't do that, you know. And so, you know, I got to get it for me. I, I, I'm in this for me. I, I, I'm, I'm doing this for my own benefit. What we share last week and there in Luke 17, you know, he said when the servants come and do all what they do, you know, they said, you know, and, and the, the master says, well, go do this. They said, we're, we're, we're unprofitable servants. In other words, we're not doing it for our profit. We're doing it for the kingdom of God. All right. And when it becomes about you, then that's when the pleasures and delights start choking out the word. Am I helping somebody? Amen. And when you think money's the answer, now there's that, there is a scripture that says money answers all things, and I get that, you know, but if we're so driven, you know, to get to a place that we violate integrity and we violate morals to get more money, then you know what? Money has a hold of you. I'm doing okay this morning, aren't I? So these things creep in. And that's what it says. The thing is, these things creep in. So this third soil, somebody, they've heard the word. Man, they've got some fruit coming up. They've got some, 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 some evidence of being fruitful. And, and they've got a big harvest coming. But all of a sudden, some of these things come in. They don't just come in once. They just don't come in and announce themselves. Hey, I'm here to distract you. Hey, I'm here to get you to think about something else. No, they creep in subtly. That's why it's so important, as Proverbs says, you know, guard your hearts, for out of it comes the issue of life. That's why it's so important that we ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, reveal to me if I'm dwelling on something, check me, wake me up, shake me, whatever it does. If I'm dwelling on something I shouldn't be dwelling on, that's choking out or suffocating the Word of God, I want to get my mind back on meditating. Why? What does Joshua 1.8 say, say, say? It says, meditate on the word of God day and night, and you shall make your ways prosperous. How are your ways going to be made prosperous? By hearing, 
What did it say? And hearing upon the same measure you're hearing it, huh? and keep on hearing it, what's going to happen? It's going to manifest in your life. Well, Pastor, you know, you act like, you know, uh, you're one of those type of people who listen to the Word all day long, and all you want to do is hear the Word of God, that, 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 that you're in a different realm. No, I'm not in a different realm. But that's, but that's true. I want to hear the Word of God more than anything else. I want my mind saturated in what God says, not what man says. Because if I listen to what man says, then I open a door for the Word of God to be suffocated. But if I listen to what God says, then there's no man, no devil, and no government that can stop God's plan for my life. You know, that's why the favor of God's on my life. You know, I've been criticized for the favor of God, you know, and, and, and I shared this before, but it's worth sharing for others who've never heard this. But when we were in Switzerland doing a missions conference, it was at the very end that this pastor came to me and confessed this to me. Uh, but he was so angry because I kept on saying, I got the favor of God. I got the favor of God. I got the favor of God. Well, as we were going to the airport, everybody was going to spend the night at the hotel and take an early flight out, you know, and this whole group all had booked at a hotel except for me. And I said, well, I'll, t- I'll call my hotel and ask them for cancellation, and I'll ask them not to charge me for the cancellation fee. It was after 6 o'clock, and usually there's a cancellation fee. So I call them up, hey, it's Tom Luther, and I'm with this group, and I, I, we all want to go to this other. Can, can I cancel? Yeah. I said, would you do me a favor and not charge me the cancellation fee? Sure, we won't count charge you cancellation. This pastor's listening to this. I'm going, yeah, that's a favor of God, you know. And so we get to the hotel, and I said, they said, well, what if there's not a room? I said, well, I've got the favor of God. So we get to the hotel. And I said, you got a room? They said, yeah, we got a room for you. I said, how much? They said, $99. That pastor just kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, you have the favor of God. He said, my room was $130. He said, I was so mad at you. I got so tired of you talking about the favor of God on your life. He said, but you know what? Really, you have the favor of God, you know? Now, what if I would have said, oh, my gosh, I don't want to offend you by having the favor of God. I won't talk about it anymore. Baloney. Now, I got the favor of God. Amen. Amen. But the truth is, you can have it too. Amen. Why do I have it? Because I've heard about it over and over and over again. I got the favor of God. Man, I got the favor of God. I got the favor of God. Who do I hear it from? Me. I hear from me more than anybody else. That's the favor of God. God's doing some great and wonderful things because of the favor of God. So we need to ask God to shut the door on anything or everything that would try to creep in and distract us. You know, where is that creep? I need to remove that creep from my life. All right. Make it a lifestyle to speak the word only. You know, when you speak the word, you're saying the word. And the word is spoken, you're hearing the word. You know, that's why it's so important that we speak the word, because we're hearing the word also. But when we speak the word, we're empowering the Holy Spirit to take that word and manifest in our lives. Glory to God. You know, we're doing a little gardening this summer, you know, a little more than we we ever had. You know, and everything that came up out of the ground, surprisingly, is what I planted. Isn't that amazing? But there's nothing in my garden that has come up that, you know, hasn't been planted. You know, have squash, cucumbers, onions, radishes, tomatoes, and peppers, you know, a little lettuce. No, you can't have any. But anyway, 
I've got a little orchard, you know, apples, peaches, plums, and things like that, you know, and stuff like that. But it's amazing that I don't have any potatoes. We don't have any carrots, you know. We don't have any some of the other good things that we'd like to have in gardens. Maybe I need to plant it. But when you're speaking the word, you're planting the word. And you're planting it more in you than you are anybody else. That's why make it a lifestyle to speak the word. You know, and then these distractions won't be creeping in. They start creeping in. What are you going to do? What are you going to do if our nation goes up? What are you going to do if this happens? What are you going to do? I'm going to trust God. I'm going to do what I'm doing now. I'm going to continue to trust God. Don't let your decisions be based on what others may think of you. That's a big one. Well, you just think you're so good, don't you? Yep, I do. Well, you just, you know, you just, you just think, you know, you, you're just so right with God. Yep, I do. Not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done for me. Amen. You're just holier now. Yep, I am. You know, I'm not going to let you bluff me, intimidate me, or embarrass me, or shame me out of the blessings of God. Amen? Amen. All right, if you think I'm holier than you, that's your problem. That's not mine. Amen? I'm going to continue to walk in the blessing of the Lord. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to walk in the blessing of the Lord. So it's a decision that you have to live with. And so this is the fifth soil here. Next week we'll be talking about, you know, that good, well-adapted soil, that, that good stuff that we see, uh, you know, 30, 60, 100%. I don't know about you, but I am endeavoring and pressing in to see the Word of God manifest all the time in my life. All the time. All the time, all the time in my life, because that's God's plan for my life. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org, or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.